Hey, Amanda. Hey, Tommy. Hey, do you know what February 2nd is every year? It is Groundhog Day. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Tommy. We did this before, right? This is like deja vu. I think it is. It's definitely Groundhog Day. <laughs> That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, can we talk about? Hey, Phil? Phil? Phil Connors? Phil Connors, I thought that was you. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for watching. Hey, hey. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me because I sure as heck fire remember you. Not a chance. Needle nose Ned, Ned the head. Come on, buddy. Case Western High. Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Ned Ryerson? Bing! Bing! <laughs> so, did you turn pro with that belly button thing, Ned? Or uh, no, what? Phil, I sell insurance. What a shock. Do you have life insurance? Because if you do, you could always use a little more. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Right, right, right. Ned? I would love to stand here and talk with you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> See hey, that's all right. I'll walk with you. Oh, God. It is so good to see you. Uh, what are you doing for dinner? Uh, something else. It's been great seeing you, Needlehead. Take care. <laughs> Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. Talk about Groundhog Day, the movie to be specific. Um, yes, we absolutely can. A Bill Murray <laughs> classic. Yeah, I watched this a lot when I was younger, and it's really funny. I watched it on almost repeat through my childhood, and then I rewatched it in prep for this podcast, and I hadn't seen it in like, I want to say like 10 years. It's something crazy. I hadn't seen it in a long time. So it was it, very fresh. I, for me. It might be longer for me, honestly. Yeah. And did it hold up for you? Do you still love it? I have I have different views of it because I was watching it. And I watched it with my kid who, by the way, has an insight that I am so proud of him for. Oh, I can't wait for this. It's a different movie because I'm watching. I'm like, oh, man, I, how is he enjoying this? Because this is very much a romantic comedy with a random sci-fi twist. When I was younger, I think I very much focused on the escapism of, wow, what if you had one day to live over and over and over again, yeah. whatever you want. That's so, fair. Was that the same for you or different? Yeah, it had that Ferris Bueller vibe, right? Where like as a kid, it felt like yeah. the fucking greatest thing in the world. Yeah. And as an adult, it's like, although, uh, let me backtrack a little bit because there were moments watching this and I, so I've now rewatched it twice in, yeah. in, in its entirety in preparation for this, but twice, I, twice, twice. <laughs> I wanted to just get that groundhog effect. I was like, let's yeah. do it again. Uh, but I definitely had, there was a moment watching it today. So I wasn't paying attention as much where I was kind of like, actually, it would be kind of sweet to suddenly be like a killer piano player or like yeah. speak French fluently or, you know, read yeah. all this beautiful literature. Like I wish that I could live to be 500 years old because all the books that I want to read, I will never read in my lifetime. I know yeah. that. So I get all of that. Yeah. But then there is that heartbreak that goes along with it. So yeah. I, it definitely was different because as a kid, it was like, this would be so cool. You could eat whatever you want, do whatever you want, and yeah. whatever, yell at you. You could drive fast cars and get arrested, yeah. but not be in jail. You know, I mean, I asked my kid what he would do. And his answer was he would eat candy, all the candy he wanted. And he would he'd play video games all day. I'm like, you do that now. Why, why, that doesn't, that's not any different than your but life today. There'd be no repercussion. Nobody saying, yeah, Hey, yeah. you shouldn't be doing that. I get that. Maybe mine would be the same. I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I feel like this is something we should wait to, for the later for, but I, I, I can't hold myself back. So would you enjoy living the same day over and over again? Like after watching it, especially like. Okay, so here's the caveat. What day? You know when he, Bill yeah. Murray is sitting there in the, and he's like. The bowling alley. I would, yeah. And he's went saying. Cabo. I went to Cabo and I had this great day. And blah, blah, blah. That's a day that, I'd love to live over and over again. That I'm sure a great day to live exactly. over and over again. <laughs> that maybe, but I think a random day that I have no say yeah. in living over and over again because. There are, not to get really existential and, you know, womp, womp, but, you know, there's people in your life that you've lost or like for me, my dog that I lost, I would love to go back into a time where I could just yeah. relive, knowing what I know now, appreciating yeah. those people and animals and life as it was. But I don't know. I don't like how lonely that must be. Yeah. Truly that lonely. That was the part that stuck out for me, too, in the rewatch was was how lonely you have to be in this because and, you know, I mean, the gist of the movie for and I and I, I know we usually like stop and then like synopsis the cast and the movie and everything. This is the most famous movie ever. Yeah. And, and, and the gist of it is he's he's an asshole in the he's beginning. Douche. Yeah. He's, he's a little egotistical. Yeah. Not far off from the real Bill Murray, apparently, as we as we were learning recently, but, which is which is what we, yeah. we'll touch on that later. But one of the things I almost like want to re-edit myself just to kind of see the 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 contrast is the view from everyone else in his life in that town of like where they, you know, he goes he gets dropped off at his bed and breakfast, goes to sleep and then cut to like the final day we get to ex see him experience in loop. Of like what a different person he is. Because I think that was the thing too. It's like as he's going through it, I'm like Andy McDowell's character just going along with like, a, oh, wow, I'm getting to know the real you. I'm like, you spent the day with him yesterday. You you already like it. You're not shocked by the fact that he's not a douche the second Completely day. Completely different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's where I was like, I understand why it is hard. And, and you kind of, you know, they do play that up. But it almost makes it harder for me to believe the ending where she's just like, oh, wow, he is a whole different person. I didn't know yesterday it's glazed over a little bit but either way but yeah I, I picked up on that a lot and and with that also I think as a kid watching it I didn't notice as much like I knew it was there but I didn't notice as much about his his journey from just going from I can do anything I want to I'm lonely as hell and I want to die to his sort of redemption arc of just deciding to be a good person and then oh whoops a daisy by doing that Andy McDowell fell in love with me without me even trying because I just worked on myself instead so there is that arc which is obviously that's the point of the story but I didn't notice that as a kid I'm just like oh wow he's just trying different things and like I didn't notice that he's oh, like for sure as a yeah. kid it was just like oh that's fun he ends up with the lady with curly hair and the pretty smile that's good but yeah. did you see that scene where he got to eat all that cake and pie and ice cream in the <laughs> diner like there, I yeah. mean, you definitely capitalize and, and pay attention to more things as a kid. But yeah. I, I mean, there are certain things in this movie that just hold up and I giggle at. And I know I'm going to that first scene where you cut to the groundhog holding the steering wheel <laughs> on his lap. I yeah, couldn't stop iconic. laughing. I was like, yeah, I was like, this is just good old fashioned comedy. At it's finest. You're just yeah. laughing for the sake of laughing. There are so many iconic scenes like that that you from the like 
to your, you just mentioned like him shoving the cake in his mouth yeah. in one whole bite. Way in, yeah. Yeah, and 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 the reason I I feel like it's iconic is in hindsight it was probably just like part of the commercial on TBS when they reran it every day. Which is that still a thing? Because I, I vaguely remember. I don't know if I'm just making this up in my head that like some channel would just play the movie on loop. Same thing with like a Christmas, like Christmas story, story on Christmas Day. Oh my god! Yeah, like I think maybe TBS just would play Groundhog Day over and over again. On loop. I, I I mean I it feels correct. Yeah. It's I'm very I, I mean it's on the nose. Up. Why wouldn't you be? You know, I'll just go along with my own random thought. If not, thought. you're welcome TBS. You should really take yeah. this to the to your people. And funny enough, my mom was visiting me and I mentioned to her Groundhog Day and she's like, "Oh, do you know about the And my mom even knew about like the behind the scenes drama with this movie, which I think has become more of a legend than the movie itself. Yeah. Which do we want to touch on that? Cause that's a whole other. I feel like we should only because, um, I mean, we'll talk enough about the movie and, and what people think it means and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I think we should start with what most recently brought the movie to the forefront is because he, Ramus died in, uh, 2014, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that was like the big thing is they finally squashed it after 20 plus years yeah. and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and they got to on his deathbed, on like his deathbed. A, yeah. So, yeah, you're you probably know this way better than I do. So you tell that part of the story. Yeah. So the legend as it lives today is that Bill Murray was sort of pegged down as being the only movies you're good in are the ones you worked on with Harold Ramis, which is a lot of his movies. Right. Including uh, Stripes, uh, Ghostbusters. Right. Any of the movies that he's like probably more well known for. It's it's Harold Ramis is there in the background pulling the strings, writing. This feels real. Will Ferrell, Adam McKay. Yeah, right. Oh, wow. Do you like, think <laughs> yeah, that? it's a little parallel. Um, also from SNL. Um, and so they had a, a sort of falling out in like the late 80s. Well, they didn't have a falling out then. Things were getting tense. Then this was the movie where everything came to a head where. I think Bill Murray was going through a divorce at the time as well. So he was just like high strung. Even before that, not to make any excuses, Bill Murray was, as much as we love him from our childhood, he's not the nicest guy. And all the, even I think through the early 2000s, is all like the stories of like, Bill Murray showed up at my birthday party and, and, you know, made sure no one took pictures and no one will ever believe this. Like those kind of stories that like floated around for a couple of years. And that is the kind of guy he is where he would just like do random things and just because he felt like it. But, you know, if you say that with a different tone on it, it's like he would just do things because he felt like it. He didn't care what people thought. Very different tone when you put it into context of like working with people or women he's working with yeah, or things sure. like that. So everything came to a head on the set where Bill Murray just like didn't want to shoot scenes and also – as a side note, watching this and realizing that they had to shoot essentially variation versions of the same scene over and over and over again. I was thinking the again. same thing. How irritating <laughs> as for an actor. Yeah. I mean, for everybody, honestly. But Yeah. Like, knowing how the sausage is made in movies and stuff, think about the fact that all the, everyone, like Andy McDowell, Bill Murray, uh, Chris Elliott, who, by the way, I, I, I want to touch on him, too, because I love Chris Elliott. And, we are and big and Chris he deserves Elliott a mention. Fans. But- had to show up to, I mean, how many days do you think they had a film on the, in the town square set right there with the entire crowd around them doing that same shot over and in over and over again? In the same costume over yeah. and over and over again. They're so, yeah. Like, let's say the that's monotony. like monotony. And, and it had to be done in a way where it's like the same time of day or like the same lighting and stuff. So let's just assume 
conservative estimate. They had to shoot that exact same spot, exact same scene for like two weeks, <laughs> right? Knowing how movies are made and how many scenes that's included. So the fact that there was any tension on the set is, you know, not excused, but it's like that alone, I feel like anyone would crack under. But I think the the most famous part of the story is that Bill Murray was just being very difficult, wouldn't show up to set, would be late. And obviously they're already dealing with the fact that they have these locations locked down for God knows how long. Um, and I think things came to a head when finally uh, Harold Ramis literally grabbed Bill Murray by the collar and like pushed him against a wall and like argued with him, like you're filming these scenes and, and they got into it. Um, after the movie was finished filming, they didn't speak for over a decade. And 20 then, years, it says, other than like, yeah. I like that it notes like, other than the occasional wake or bat mitzvah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, okay. Keep in mind, and if you think about it, you know, Bill Murray sort of disappeared for a couple of years in his career following this and then sort of shows up in some like Wes Anderson movies in like the late 90s and some things. So, you know, didn't fully disappear. I don't want to say it's that, but um, after Groundhog Day, he did... He did Ed Wood, he did Kingpin, he did Larger Than Life and Space Jam. He did a few things. He was doing studio comedies at that point. It wasn't him working with his his uh, writing partner on anything. So I think that has a little bit to do with it. But um, yeah, and then in, then in uh, 2014 on his deathbed, um, they finally made up before he passed. And I don't put a past Bill Murray on the fact that like he really did care about his friend and, you know, it was, it was all over, yeah. you know, kind of some... Uh, egotistical bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, like I had read an article on the 20th anniversary. So that was what, 20, oh, wow. I don't know, 25th anniversary. So it was 2018. Yeah. And that he had, um, Bill Murray wanted it to be like very philosophical and more comedic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Ramus wanted it to be more on the rom-com side. And yeah. it, it, to his genius, Yeah, that is, I think, what makes Groundhog Day kind of one of those movies that couples can sit down and they both enjoy it. Yeah. You know, yeah. the wives getting the rom-com not to be stereotypical or sexist, but you know, yeah. more often than not, that's kind of where it ends up. Especially yeah. this, I will say for the time period that this movie came out in those stereotypes were alive and well, yeah. and you're getting Bill Murray in the seats by having Bill Murray. So every guy is and comedy fans going to see it. And then you've got Andy McDowell who's like in her prime you know, beautiful Andy McDowell is like just like a butterfly that floats into scenes. Yeah. And I think that it definitely crossed both barriers and it was a great comedy. Like when yeah. I think of it, is it a rom-com? Sure. But yeah. to me, it was always a comedy. I think more yeah. to when I was an adult saw it as a rom-com. Oh yeah. And same here. I mean, when I sat down with my kid to watch it, I was just like, oh, you'll like this. I didn't get, I gave him no context whatsoever. I'm like, it's a comedy. And then because I remember as a kid too, I'm like, oh, that's Peter Vankman from Ghostbusters. And you're saying this is a funny movie. Yeah, I'm in. I'm locked. You, you got me. So, yeah, even like just that terminology. But I, I agree with you. And if he was if he was going for a little bit more philosophical versus rom-com, there is a balance there like that. I, I fully think about it. I think there is like a perfect balance. For sure. That in this I movie. think that was organic, don't you? Because people really treat this as philosophical. Yeah. I mean, you immediately go, what would you do? What are your feelings? And everyone Absolutely. has different answers and everyone has. And then um, I, I got so this is what I'll mention, right? Because this is this is a, a, an important thing that I never thought about when I was younger, when I used to watch this as a kid. It was a part of Internet debate for a couple of years ago. And Harold Ramis has an opinion on it, which, again, 
you know my take on things. If the director said it, if the if the you know the creator said <laughs> it's it, gold, baby. That, that's canon now. How long he was mm, looping, mm-hmm. and and it's funny, yeah, because my son before anything had happened had an answer, and I think two things. One, okay. I feel like that was the intended answer, and two, I give my kids so much praise for coming up with this. But here's here's the answer, right? As he's looping, and my son is like, oh, he's like in a loop. It's because six more weeks of winter. The groundhog says six more weeks. And it's funny because at the end of the movie, I look it up and I'm like, all right, so here's the answer. I was like, they're, you know, officially the amount of scenes that we know about based on how many times it resets and everything is something like 42 days. I mean, I think you probably have the numbers up in front of you. And my son goes, yeah, that's six weeks. If that was the intended answer of, you know, they open the ground, like it's happening in the background because I think that's the one part of the movie that bothers people is like, why was he in a time loop? What's the answer? Why was this happening to him? And you don't really have any answer, which I also think is a good thing. I'm, I'm fine with not being spoon-fed answers in movies and just being like, For it sure. happened to him. Yeah. That's what it was. Just go with it. At the same time, I'm like, holy shit. Like, if he really did loop for like 42 days, and it's about six weeks, and that connection to like, they pull out the groundhog, he doesn't want to be there. And, you know, not to say it's like turning into some like, family comedy where it's like the groundhog has magical powers. The groundhog, <laughs> groundhog is like six more I'm weeks here of winter. For but I was like, I feel like that's so close that like in the, the scenes they wrote and all the loops and I'm what like. What does he say though? What does Ramus what, say? What does say? Ramus, what is it? What do they, what do the so, people, the powers that be say? Yeah. I read something where he said he thought it was closer to 30 to 40 years. Yes. Right. Okay. Because, because the answer that would eventually came out to was Harold, there's a few different things that happen in the movie that you get out of the movie versus like what people have kind of come up with from from other areas. The answer from the movie, there's no answer from the movie, but one random fact that gets mentioned is when they're sitting on the bed together and tossing playing cards into the hat, Andy McDowell says, how'd you get so good at this? He's like, oh, you just do this every day for six months and you'll get really good at it. Four to five hours a day is I think what he says, yeah. So it's like, all right, beyond what we already know, or maybe involved in that. So somewhere in there, he spent at least six months sitting on a bed, tossing cards into a hat. Okay, you have that. The other thing that happens too is obviously like he learns a bunch of other things. He learns how to play the piano. He learns how to speak French. He There's a bunch of other things he learns and like people essentially time box like how many hours it takes I you to mean, master something. yeah. Let's Malcolm Gladwell this. Yeah. He do not become that level of pianist that he is yeah. in that scene. In, you know, yeah. <laughs> a short amount of time. I will say it does bother me that at a point he goes and meets the uh, the piano teacher. He's like, I'll give you a thousand dollars right now <laughs> to teach me the piano and pick up from where I left off. And you have two scenes, one where he walks in and has no idea how to play. Another where she's like, oh, you're not bad for someone. You said this is your first lesson. And then the le- next time we see it, he's playing at the big party at the hotel. What annoys me is that obviously every day resets, right? So the teacher's there. She's like, oh, I, I, I'm his I'm his piano teacher. I'm so proud of him. I'm like, I thought the same thing. I literally, this time, I was like, ah, guys, who yeah. wrote that line yeah. and thought we weren't going to notice? Right. Like, he's he's basically an expert and then goes to her and says, hey, I want you to teach me more piano. Essentially, he had his first lesson that day with her. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that's not, yeah. So, agree. all right, chill out. Like, you guys you okay. guys went overboard just to shoehorn in a, 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 yeah. a random joke. Or, and that wasn't even a joke. It was, I don't know. It was not needed. Let's edit that out. Tying all that together, I think Harold Ramis said it was probably closer. I forget his exact words. But, yeah, there was anywhere from between, like, 10 years and then you get to, like, 30 years. 
But even if you conservatively say the 10 years, right? Yeah, he refuted that. In the article I read, he was like, it's not 10 years. It, this was 2009. Yeah. So it's not 10 years. It's closer to 30 to 40 years. Right. And in the original script um, that Ruben wrote, he said that he was looping for 10,000 years. Yes. And he God. marked the time. Yeah. yeah. And he was marking the time by reading uh, the bed and breakfast library books every day, one page or like reading one page and marking it so he could count how many pages yeah, he read. Wow. Yeah. Um, which that would have been a little, I wouldn't have loved that. Right. And that's, I'm glad that's that didn't the movie, happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the movie kind of tilts and, and you can take the same concept, right? By the way, very clearly, this is not the only movie to ever do that because kind of funny enough, if you take the concept of this movie and like the movie Passengers, you essentially get Palm Springs, which um, was an actual really good movie too, right? But like same concept time loop. It's a really good it's movie. Go long, watch it's it. It's been yeah. out long enough. People people yeah. get with it. <laughs> you don't know. And we, we do good, really good recommendations here. I don't want to spoil people. Um, I didn't really spoil too much, but um, go watch the movie Palm Springs. Really good, really good movie despite it being Andy Samberg. But back to Groundhog Day. Yeah, I, that's where I'm like, I don't, at that point, I would just be driven crazy. I don't know, like, but I guess there is a concept of it's gone on so long that this is just my life now. I'm just going to learn to live with it. But he becomes a better person. He does. But I also there's some scenes that like, I mean, like truly broke me as an adult watching them that I just kind of didn't care about as a kid. Yeah. The homeless guy. As a kid, I yeah. was really concerned about the homeless guy. And I remember yeah. that. Like, I got really upset. Like, does he die? How come in the end they don't tell you what happens to yeah. the homeless guy? Does he ever oh, save man. him? What happens? You know and, what it is, and, by the way? It's that scene when he's at the diner and he and he oh. sees the food and he looks up and he has that big smile on his face. And then and he passes like, him the soup and yeah. he says it gets hard at the end. And then oh. at the same time, like a tuna melt or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just that smile on his face. He shows Bill Murray and then goes back to the food. Like, wow, this is the greatest day of my life. And that's the part that breaks your heart. Yeah, absolutely. When, okay, so it took me a little time to put this together. When I was a kid, for some reason, I was convinced that was Bill Murray's dad or Phil's yeah. dad. Because he the says movie. pop. He says pop. Yeah. And like watching it this time, I was like, oh, that's why little me thought that he yeah. found his homeless <laughs> father. I was like, oh, his daddy dies in front of him. Yeah. But that was really emotional as a child and still emotional as an adult. But I was definitely yeah. that kid that just found the saddest thing and hooked onto it. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting doing research for this, and you know me, I love my fun facts. But I love fun facts. There was such a, a debate about what do you think broke the loop for him? I truly didn't kind of ever think oh, what broke the loop? And like, yeah. I was like, oh, he just became the very best version of himself and that broke the loop. But then reading into it, everyone thinks it's, he was a very good version of himself to everyone else, except for that one insurance guy who he went to high school with. <laughs> and it didn't happen until he finally was like, change that guy's life. You know, like yeah. he says to him, this is the best day of my life. Like yeah. you changed my life buying incidental dismemberment fire water damage all this insurance from him and then that night is when essentially andy mcdowell stays into his bed the next day he wakes up and she's still there so the interwebs has told me that's what they think but i don't know but here's my only issue with that is uh which by the way steven tobolowsky Tobol i can't pronounce his name my mouth doesn't allow I me love to love him he's um, so good at that <laughs> he he is amazing and by the way it's really funny he's another one of those people that like anytime anyone's had any stories about him it's always been he is a super nice guy i had the same thought right i thought it was he reached the best version of himself, which, by the way, I actually was when I was a kid, I was just like, oh, she fell in love. And that's why it broke the time loop. But I, I have a little theory here. And again, this is me more 
trying to be like a, 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 getting a get a screenwriter credit on the movie because I'm like I feel like there's an answer there that you can easily explain in a nice tied up bow part of the plot. But two things: number one, that day you see him running around saving everyone's life and being the best mm-hmm. version of himself isn't supposed to be the first time he's doing that because there's a few things he mentions when he catches the kid. He's like, "You never thank me." Yes, like he's little so he mentioned, <laughs> yeah. like right. So at this point, we're supposed to be like. He's been going through this loop and like he's reached this per- version of himself and he doesn't even seem interested in in Andy McDowell like when she goes to, when they're kissing outside by the ice sculpture. I mean, adult me is looking at it being like, oh, cool. He went from like being a predator, like grabbing onto her, but like you want to do this to like actually being like, yeah, no, extra okay, rapey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a little, <laughs> a little rapey vibes there. And then he ends up back at the place with her. But. I, there, there's something kind of funny too because there, there's a few different mentions of things where I'm like, I do believe in my heart of hearts that the, what breaks the time loop is her falling in love with him. I, I think, That's what I thought. Right. I'm with you because the music of every 90s rom-com yeah. when they're kissing and it's like yeah. the little sparkle music, they play that when they're kissing, which in every yeah. something type of movie ever created when that you hear that little jingle, that little sprinkling yeah. Note, yeah. <laughs> the magic has been lifted. So that's what I thought. And, and I, I think that's right. But I think the little tying the bow on it would be like, why her? Like, what makes her so special? And there's a mention, he says, um, when it's snowing out, he mentions something along the lines like, you look like an angel. Mm-hmm. All right. So like, what if that's the answer? Because like, she is like this nice person. Like, she is the best of the best or supposed to be the best person in his like little world. And so like, so that's what I'm like. If she's an angel... I'm not mm. trying to get too sappy here, but like, I, like I was like tuss, touched by an angel in the nineties. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and so anyway, that was my hypothesis for like, Oh, that's pretty good. Why is it so important for him to fall in love with her or her to fall in love with him rather? Or you can look at it the other way is that he finally fell in love with her. Any other time he actually says, I love you to her. She's like, you don't even know me. Like, mm-hmm. like she kind of recoils a little bit. He says, I love you to her. She doesn't reciprocate, but in that last, in the final loop, he does say, I love you. And she doesn't say anything. She doesn't recoil. She just kind of goes with it. So I don't know. I mean, I like that better. I, I like, like that. movies that leave interpretation. I do like that. There's so much interpretation with this yeah. mo- movie. I mean, everybody has a theory on what they think this movie was supposed to mean existentially. And what was yeah. this supposed to mean? What is happening here? What's the yeah. metaphor? I think that Harold Ramis says that he thinks it has to do with mental health and how people enter a state of psych psychosis and how they can work through mental health and how it's really important to me i think it's more just a a classic story of be the better person you know yeah what would you do if you had a chance to continue to be a better person but i saw something not to get very religious about how it was a lot of religious people and religious sex have argued over I don't know, this is a perfect example of of being reborn. And every time you're reborn, uh, you're a better version of yourself and all these different things. And it's like, I guess you could go there. But when Bill Murray's involved, yeah. I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> so Yeah. At that point too, maybe I'll maybe I'll rescind my I my thought that maybe she's an angel and that was the whole reason. Because I feel like I'm getting too close to I that's okay. I read a <laughs> theory today that someone uh said that they thought it was purgatory. And yeah. he actually died and this was he, he was stuck in between heaven and hell. And that was his purgatory in order for him to get to heaven. She's mm-hmm. an angel. He yeah. had to get to that point where he'd be accepted into heaven. So, I okay. mean, we could go anywhere with this. So I'm not the only person. No, to ever you're assume. not the only person okay. to say that. 
Some I saw one in the same article that they said that the, the groundhog was Jesus. <laughs> I couldn't uh, stop laughing. Yeah. Uh, I'll take okay. it. The most upsetting part about this, because I think everyone watches this and they're like, oh, wow, that looks, the town looks really cute. The festival looks really fun. Maybe I'll go to Puxatoni and like go see the. It's not even shot there. It's not shot there at all. It's shot. That's in Illinois. so depressing. I know, isn't it? That that's oh, the one that breaks your heart. It was shot in Woodstock, Illinois, um, and they they looked for a bunch of towns. I mean, I don't know. At this point, I guess even funnier is: Does Woodstock, Illinois, now have a groundhog they pull out of the hat? And I don't pretend? know, but did you read that the people of Punxsutawney were so? fucking pissed because they thought this is like their big break that they said you are not allowed to use the actual Punxsutawney Phil at all in this movie. So the groundhog wow. that they have is no Punxsutawney Phil. Wow. Even he has it a, is a groundhog named Scooter that apparently bit Bill Murray three times and Bill Murray claimed that Scooter hated him since the day he met him. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> there is actually a plaque uh, commemorating the puddle that he steps into. Whoa. In Woodstock, Illinois, and it just says Bill Murray stepped here. Yeah, <laughs> which is I think pretty fucking funny. So many times, um, wow. Yeah, I mean, what's funny? I mean, I'm I'm more curious about it because I feel like that's the thing. It's like one of those things where, I mean, why didn't they film it in Punxsutawney? I mean, is it just not? It's not very film worthy. Uh, no, not- this is uh, on my fun facts list, and it yeah. was because they did not have a town center that looked good on camera. They tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tried. Um, and then it says Punxsutawney got their revenge by banning Punxsutawney Phil from appearing oh. in the movie. If there's a movie about your town that's literally about happy. someone being stuck there. Yeah. And, and you know, look around if they were like, yeah, no, your town doesn't look like something we want to show on a movie. It doesn't look fun. We're trying to we're trying to set a tone about a movie with someone going through a, either a mental crisis or existential crisis and uh, living in your town. Can we talk about how dark it is, though? Like, I, it's, yeah. again, one of those things. It's like we talked about in Ferris Bueller, where you don't see as a child. Yeah. But the amount of times that he says he commits suicide and just seeing him continue yeah. to commit suicide, that is really fucking dark. And he mentions uh, in the diner scene, at the TikTok diner, he mentions yeah. a few other ways he killed himself yeah he's like i've been see. burned i've been something i've, uh, I've like, been he stabbed. names a bunch yes he, and i was like when i was in the burning i was like why would you choose that 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 hurts like that's gotta that's that's gotta hurt right no yeah. so and i well i don't know i just feel like that is something that would not fly in today's yeah. day and age and even saying commit suicide i know i i apologize because i know that's you know not the proper terminology anymore but he's so like it's just part of the comedy almost which is just not that would not fly i mean a lot of this movie would not fly today but i think it's more bill murray smirking at the camera when he does things for sure he he makes every anything he brings anything to a comedy i mean it's literally him with a groundhog driving off a cliff with like a smirk chris elliott are just like oh (laughs) no phil don't do it i'm sorry if i saw my co-worker driving a truck off a cliff with a stolen groundhog i would be losing my fucking shit yeah and she's just like oh no and chris elliott's like he was a good guy he was a good guy I cool. will say she, I mean, she didn't really show any emotion of him driving off the cliff. Zero. She was just more like shot. Yeah. So in 24 hours, she's fine with him driving off a cliff, but in the same 24 hours, she can fall in love with him and change her life. Yeah. She's easily swayed. I um, guess. Yeah. I mean, Andy McDowell's like so such a little cutie in this movie. I love that. Yeah. Did you know, I fun fact for the, for the pod, uh, 
Tom Hanks and Michael Keaton both turned down the part. Really? Of, yeah. Were there, were there reasons given or just they weren't um, into it? Or? So, I mean, uh, Tom Hanks said he was busy, which I'm sure he was. He's Tom Hanks. And um, okay. Michael Keaton. I could have seen Tom Hanks doing this, by the way. For that sure. Makes sense. Michael Keaton said he didn't understand the script. And then he was later interviewed saying it was a big, he definitely regrets it. Well, funny enough, he did the other movie with Andy McDowell and uh, Harold Ramis a couple years later, which was Multiplicity. Which great movie! I, I like love that it. movie. I, I grew, love that movie. I grew up watching that movie. And now that we've, um, as some may call us woke, you look back on some of those scenes and be like, "Hey, wait a second! There's some questionable things Ooh, here." I know. Yeah. Um, how many people are sleeping with his wife? You know. Th- anyway, I won't get into the to the. Uh, th- there's your fun moral debate about what was actually happening <laughs> yeah. there. But I'm wondering if that's also why Michael Keaton was like, "Yeah, okay." Harold Ramis comes to me and says. I have a rom-com that with a sci-fi twist uh, start with Annie McDowell as the female lead. I'm not going to turn this down twice now. So for sure. And he did okay. I mean, he didn't do Groundhog's Day. Okay. But he did okay. Uh, One of my favorite things, and I'm sure you'll admit about this and and agree with is it has literally become part of our vernacular. It is, it is something you hear. Oh, just like Groundhog's Day. Like yeah, a, yeah. Such like a corporate monotony going to work like, hey, guys, how you doing today? Oh, it's just like Groundhog's Day. Do the same stuff yeah. every day. And my brother-in-law said that. He was like, I got to watch yeah. this movie because every day these guys come into the shop and they say like, oh, just like Groundhog's Day. And he's like, it's yeah. the same the same guys. They, you know, they come in and do the exact same thing every morning. The same guys take a shit before they go out every morning. And I've never seen Groundhog's Day. And I just agree yeah. with him. Yeah, it's just like Groundhog's Day. Wait, there's something I got to I got to stop you right there. Okay, though, I'm ready. There's something you said. That I didn't even realize until after I saw the movie and I was doing prep for the actual podcast, like the our fun <gasps> facts and things. It's it's Groundhog Day, Ground not Hog- Groundhog's Ground- Day. Oh, which okay. I've always been like, it's Groundhog's Day. It's his day. This is his. It's his time to shine. It's his day. Yeah. No, it's Groundhog Day. Singular. Well, I know. We've been well, saying it wrong. I, I, I say that not in like a trying to correct you. I'm saying it in a, no, we've that's, all been that's saying it wrong. Every one of us. Across the board. Right. Universally, yeah. every single person has been saying this wrong for years. If you say Groundhog Day and you've been saying it like that, you're you're not normal. You're you're an outsider. We've all been getting this you're wrong correct, for years. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I okay, so I'm even saying in my head, like, oh, happy Groundhog Day. Because my yeah. my stepdad is born on Groundhog Day. And we right. always I've always been like, Yeah, he's born on Groundhog's Day. Yeah, which well, I'm oh. sorry, just to pause you for a second. This is because yes. this is a really silly question of mine. Is it always on the same day? Because I was always like, February is it like 2nd, the first? Every okay, year. it's always February 2nd. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was something where it's like the second February or second. Yeah, like Tuesday. a Mother's Day, Father's Day situation. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good to know that I was been, I've been off this whole time. <laughs> February 2nd. Got it. You won't forget it now. Now I won't. And no. on February 2nd, you'll be like, wow, this is just like Groundhog <laughs> Day. It doesn't no belong S. to him. Yeah. It's for all the groundhogs. Oh, Maybe it's, it's because groundhog. there's so many Punxsutawney Phil's. I wonder how many there have been because how many do you think there have been? Phil's got to have died. What, what's the lifespan of a groundhog? I mean, not as long as he's been. I mean, this poor guy, too. Yeah. Let's see how many there's been. Do we Do we also know why we have Groundhog Day? Like where it came from? Like No, we probably should. Uh, there's been one. <laughs> what? This doesn't make sense. No. How, how long do they live? That's that's a 
That's a there's a secret. The lifespan of a groundhog is six to eight years. And let's say we've this had groundhog has been making weather predictions since 1887. What in the shit? They just swap them out. They just throw them in, you know, it, uh-oh, this one's down. Throw them in the burn pile. We'll get a new groundhog. <laughs> well, you know how you Google things and it, like, gives you suggested questions? Yeah. Does Punxsutawney Phil live forever? Yes, absolutely. How do you think, yeah, he, like, do you think a regular groundhog with no superpowers? Apparently, there's only been one Phil. There's only been one Punxsutawney Phil. Are they different so names? That's now? what they no. This is what they say according to the okay. official website. Punxsutawney Phil gets his longevity from drinking Groundhog Punch, a secret recipe. One sip, which is administered every summer at the Groundhog Picnic, and gives him seven more years of life. This is the biggest fucking crock yeah. of shit. This is worse than Santa. This thing since so since eighteen eighty six, we've just had one. That makes real sense. I don't know if I was paying more attention because I was you know doing homework this time around. But I didn't realize that part of their little speech, and I guess um, it's also part part of the folklore of the real ceremony. But they uh, refer to it as Puxatoni Phil spoke to them in Groundhogese, which is mm. his language. Okay. So that's why no one else okay. understands when he's like six more weeks of winter because he's speaking his own little language. So this is apparently to uh, where this came from. When German settlers arrived in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania in the 1700s, they brought a tradition known as Candleman's Day, the point between the winter solstice and spring equinox. Okay. Something, something. Superstition held that if the weather was fair on the midpoint day, the second half of winter would be stormy and cold. Germans watched for badgers to cast shadows. The Pennsylvania Germans chose the groundhog as a replacement. (laughs) We don't have no badgers. Ain't no badgers around here. We don't need no stinking badgers. Okay. Well, you know what? Badgers, I'm sorry. You lost a job. That's a whole workforce put out. On Netflix, they have like that movies that made us. I think they did an episode on this movie. They did. I would have watched it. Oh, you did. Okay. No. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sad. I didn't do that. I apologize, everyone. Well, well, the big the big takeaway from that was the guy who wrote it. It was a it was a lot more. There was no rom com element to it originally. It was fully a sci fi kind of you know this man's day is looping over and over again. Um, That's where the ten thousand years came from right he wanted it to go on for yeah exactly yeah okay to tie my job of yeah. making alcohol to the the episode that we're doing andy mcdowell drinks sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist is what in the shit that is disgusting wait explain this drink to me because again i'm not oh, an alcoholic it- I don't okay. understand what 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 does that look or taste like or there's scenes where they're sitting at the bar right and he initially says can I get you a drink yeah. and he orders himself and he's such a dick to this bartender right he's like Jim Beam and then he shows him how many fingers high he wants a Jim Beam ice and then he shows him how big he wants oh, the ice cream and then okay. water and he shows him yeah. how much water he wants in it and that's like you know when people say like I'll have two fingers of bourbon or three fingers that's like a very old school way to measure okay. how many ounces or how much booze you want yeah. so he's like just a condescending asshole to this bartender yeah. by the way. His only reaction, his only shots of him direct <laughs> is him just having reactions disdain. and rolling his eyes. Yeah, and just, like, just disdain. Yeah, for everyone. <laughs> yeah, and then Andy McDowell says, I'll have sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. Mm-hmm. Maybe, listen, I, I haven't been, at, in 93, I was five, you know, so I wasn't slinging drinks. Yeah. But 
sweet vermouth um, on the rocks with a lemon twist. Is it lovely? Sure. If you're above 85, <laughs> but is it bitter? Is it sweet? Like what? So the- sweet vermouth is, have you ever had a Manhattan or a Negroni? I've had a Negroni. Yes. Okay. So that is the other part that is equal to the Campari and the gin. Okay. So you've got Campari gin and then sweet vermouth. It is, um, as sweetness, it's definitely going to be on the sweeter side. Uh, very sweet. I like sweet. Um, All right. Yeah, you, you know what? Actually, in this situation, <laughs> I might be, I might be the dude. You might be the lady. Okay. Uh, yeah, you might like this. I I vote we go to a bar and we order these exact drinks. Yeah. And you'll probably like it, honestly. Okay. But when she orders that, I'm like, who? <laughs> my insides are like, oh my gosh, you're gonna feel like. Dick tomorrow, well, young lady. Is it, just like, is-, it, is it just like syrup at that point? I mean, what like is it? It's a cordial. It's more um, effervescent. It's very, very. Uh, it's got a nice bouquet to the nose. Okay. But um, yeah, I mean, I can't wait to pour you a glass of sweet vermouth okay. now with a lemon twist. I really want you to drink it. We should. Um, we should take stock, and you can make like a little like bar menu of that is all the so drinks funny you said that one of our listeners actually messaged me and said yeah. i would love for you to make cocktails based on all the episodes you did because yeah. i bet you they're hilarious so yeah. we'll work on that that's something although we'll although i don't know if i would i mean if you have a puppers i'll take it but if you have if you have a a, a, a caesar um i don't know if i, can I can't do, do it i can't do it neither caesar. one of us can no uh, vom. uh i'll i'll to- i'll toss that off to my partner because yeah. i'll vom yeah. um <laughs> i can't do it and yeah. i i will literally full disclosure when it comes to alcohol you can feed me creme de menthe and i'm like yeah sure i'll fucking drink it i'll drink anything with alcohol content but yeah. uh i don't know sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist kind of drew I have some at my house right now some yeah. that's made in brooklyn new york i might give it a go tonight just oh, to andy mcdowell yeah. it up um, uh, yeah, that really, oh, and another fun fact that I loved, uh-huh. and this was not something that was like in any article, uh, yeah. I had to really do research on this. The scenes where Andy McDowell is just forever slapping Bill Murray in the face. <laughs> Probably and, her favorite uh, scene to do. Yes. And he yeah. said, he's like, well, he told me I had to really slap him. Like he yeah. wanted me to really do it. Bill meth. I think he's a little methody, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she said she slapped him, uh, 10 times in the one scene, just the one scene just that one they scene. had to sh- just one scene 10 times. Yeah. hard yeah and she even said well he was kind of a jerk so it was pretty easy <laughs> has she come out and said that he was he was an asshole on, she, on but set? she said she loved him but he was yeah. kind of a jerk so it made yeah. it easy maybe she meant the character was a jerk i don't know i don't know i mean maybe both so who who came out recently oh it was um uh it was another one of his co-stars came out who? recently um said, gina davis oh, came out gina davis. and said well with Gina Davis, and this is where you know again. And funny enough, I think it was around the same time frame. I got, I got, I got to check that while I'm while I'm looking this up. But um, that was a movie he he did. But it was like I think it was like his directorial debut. It was the first movie he ever directed, which was far and beyond his least known movie. Maybe maybe there's other stuff that he's like Razor's Edge. I don't know if a lot of people have seen. Um, but it was um, uh, Quick Change. Which was seen it. great. It was uh, a few years okay. before this. It was it, that was um, 1990. It's it's an amazing movie. It's Bill Murray, Gina Davis, and Randy Quaid. Um, oh, that's a really good little yeah little group there. There's a bunch of other people in the movie as well. Uh, I'm Jason- laughing because I just googled this. Yeah. About- <laughs> I'm gonna let you tell it, but yeah, please keep um, going. <laughs> I highly recommend this movie, right? Uh, side note, we'll get I'll get to what Gina Davis said that Bill Murray is an asshole. Well, I'll get back to that. This is 
Bill Murray, Gina Davis, and Randy Quaid are bank robbers. Their entire, they're not, I shouldn't say, let me back up a second. They're not bank robbers. They rob a bank because they're sort of like fed up with the city. It's a, it's a New York story. And they rob a bank because they're fed up with the city and they're just going to take the money, run, and like go off to like the Bahamas or something and just, you know, find a place to live on like a beautiful tropical island. Just get away from New York City. And uh, spoiler alert, they spend the entire movie <laughs> trying to leave New York and can't get out. Because New York sucks. You know how like, um, <laughs> as we're talking about problematic men, you know, like Woody Allen, people talk about Woody Allen movies and say like, oh, like, you know, he has like a, like a love story to New York City. Like his film is an homage to He's the city a of New York. fucked hard, but yeah. Yeah, sure, uh, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is, this is an homage to like the, the seedier, crappier, okay. dirtier parts of New York City, but in like a funny way. It's showing you like, the not clean streets of Brooklyn and Queens, especially in like the early nineties. It's great. And Tony Shalhoub randomly pops up in it and he's hilarious. That's in it. fun. So, um, I would love uh, to watch it. Cause I love Gina Davis in the nineties. I feel like oh she's God. such oh, a fucking God. hot little dime piece. Oh badass. my God. Yeah. I love her. That, uh, that's oof. Gina Davis for me. It was, it was not, I mean, like, I think everyone here knows that I have an inappropriate mouth, but I always, when I was little, this is a yeah. true story. I dreamed for natural boobs like Gina Davis's. <laughs> like every little girl has like a, uh, or, or, you know, female presenting person that wanted to yeah. join, like have boobs naturally. Yeah. I was like, I just want to have boobs as big as Gina Davis's. B- but where, where did you know Gina Davis from at that point? Um, when I decided I wanted those boobs. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, it was an array, but I would say a league of their own really sold it for me. Okay. All right. Um, even though they were kind of pointy in that movie because yeah. that was the time period, but I was like, man, she's got good natural boobs. Well, because I was, I was convinced say- that was gonna happen for me. Uh spoiler alert, it didn't. Uh, yeah. but yeah, that's what I wanted. <laughs> well, because I was gonna say too, I mean, and again, talking about Gina Davis, I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll get back to the movie we're actually talking about. <laughs> But uh, you don't want to talk about Gina Davis's boobs anymore. I, 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 I will for hours, but I feel like I'm, <laughs> excellent I'm, as a man. I, like you could talk about her boobs all you want. I start talking about it, we get into problematic mm-hmm. territory. That's fine. I, I got your Murray. back. Um, but I will say also Casper Gina Davis so hot. Just for the yeah. record, uh, well, I was going to say you. I mean, what really uh, Earth Girls were easy was. Okay. Was I didn't see that till adult my, time. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you have, fair. you also have the Beetlejuice. You have, well, Quick Change. I knew her from Thelma and Louise, uh, A League of Their Own. Remember Hero? Do you remember that movie? Oh, God. That, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that movie. It's, that That's the Dustin Hoffman, Gina yeah. Davis, Andy Garcia. Oh. Um, yeah. That's, that's a great movie too. Yeah. There's a, yeah. Gina Davis was, was, was big there, but also, um, now that uh, we've, the whole point of this is talk about how she was attacked by Bill Murray and I'm over yeah. here talking about her boobs. So I do apologize about how quickly this yeah. has turned. I will just, I will just say I went through, I went through a redhead phase at a moment in my life and I Clearly will, so did I. I will, I will I attribute it, on it to the movie Earth Girls Are Easy with the dual redheads of Gina Davis and the uh, writer of the movie, Julie Brown, uh, mm. which 80s mm. Julie Brown, that's. Okay, it's, I, gotta get away I went my through job. a redhead phase and said yes to an engagement <laughs> ring. So, <laughs> yeah, your your fiance is. I'm redhead. just I'm That's furthering right. that line of yeah. of, of redhead. Uh, you know, <laughs> they said they're going extinct, and I'm just doing my part for yeah. civilization. That's all. Are you? I you should go to him and be like, you know, I think the reason I'm into you is because of Gina Davis, and just leave it at that. Just, he would be like, I think yeah. the reason I'm into 
you as Gina Davis too. I don't yeah. know. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but so to yeah. bring it back, yeah. Bill <laughs> Sorry. Murray was yeah. a real fucker to her on this movie, right? Like, cause I yeah. Googled it and it said that, yeah. Right. She was an the, asshole. The thing is, and again, this was him directing the movie. And I think they also had to saddle him with a quote unquote real director so that he didn't, you know, fall apart because he had never directed a movie before. So I think he was under, under a lot of pressure. Again, this uh, to be clear, I'm not excusing it. I'm just trying to get into the psyche of Bill Murray and like his level. Because I feel like with Bill Murray, there are levels of him being an asshole. He's not just like, oh, wow, he's always been an asshole. It's just like sometimes he's kind of he's very much like Phil in the beginning of the movie where he's just kind of like passive aggressively yeah. a dick versus like in your face throwing that. the microphone down down at the same time. Yeah, I was watching it and I said that to my partner. I was like. I feel like this is the most Bill Murray, Bill Murray character. <laughs> it wasn't acting and this at is, all. We're a big Bill Murray fan house yeah. because Bill Murray <laughs> is very big in the world of golf. Yeah. And our bills are paid by the world of golf. So, <laughs> so well, we love golf. <laughs> well, on that, on that point, um, it, I, I have, to, I, I feel like it's worth mentioning um, that in this movie, uh, you mm-hmm. have his, who's I probably more of a golfer than Bill Murray himself is his brother. Who is the mayor? Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah. Yeah. um, I did not uh, realize that was his brother. And we were watching it. And my fiance was like, that's his brother. Yeah. Well, funny enough. I mean, it's I I honestly have a a bigger love for the the Murray brothers for some reason, Um, because you have him. You have Joel Murray, who do you know who Joel Murray is? Because if you don't, I'm going to say something you know him from. Of course I do. And John. But John was an Edward. Uh, There's a lot of them. Good Lord. They really. Yeah, so Joel Murray is probably best known recently from his uh, role in Mad Men, which is where. Agreed. But I liked him in Dharma and Greg. OK. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah. Well, um, he, fra- he played Freddie Rumson in Dharma. Uh, <laughs> he played Freddie Rumson in Mad Men, not Dharma. And Greg. Mad- we have to do Mad Men because we, yeah, we both love Mad Men. But I want to rewatch if that's yeah. at he all played, possible. Uh, Pete Cavanaugh on Dharma and Greg for those yeah. playing the home game. I got to mention this too, because there's someone else in the movie that I love. I'm looking at your face as as, as I'm saying this, and I'm wondering if you're going to be on the same. He okay. is a very, also a very big part of eighties, early nineties movies. And I love this guy. And if anything, I've always wanted to grow up to be this man. I can barely pronounce his name, but the point is he's been in a lot of movies. Are we on the same page? Cause I'm watching you smile. And I feel like you also love this guy. Yeah. Okay, he is. I'm gonna run down all the all the things he's been in. He is the limo driver Henry in Blank Check. He is. Oh my god, the, such a good movie. <laughs> he is the uh, the electrical grid guy in the in the hole in the ground in Die Hard. He is Art in the Burbs. He is Snick in Little Monsters. He is all these people in all these great movies. He's an Encino Man, class act. Uh, Loaded Weapon 1, Last Action Hero. I love that movie so much. That's another one we probably have to do at some point. Yeah, I, I can't pronounce his name, but he's in this movie. He's Gus, one of like the hick dummies who were sitting in the in the diner who also go on the, the joy ride with uh, Bill Murray's character in the movie. Uh, Rick. Duckamun. <laughs> I can't Duck-a-mun. say it. Yeah. Duckamun. Who I Duck-a-mun. didn't realize passed away, which I know doesn't bring oh. it down or now. <laughs> I just watched. Oh, my, no. I sorry. Just I mean, I know this is this is an audio podcast, but I watched <laughs> oh. as Amanda's face went from joy 
we both love this guy. He's 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 important to us and and our and our childhood. I just got so sad. And then I watched <laughs> me just like punch your smile in the face and just destroy it. He died of complications from diabetes. He was in so many movies, but he and that's the thing too is like you want to talk about like comedic actors. Like he had this like face that just stole the camera. Like he he was way. I gotta say in the scenes. And I, I don't know if it's like just my my me falling in love with this guy, but like when the scenes are there together and like when they're in the car and the shot in, in Groundhog Day is like them lined up, the three of them aside, Bill Murray has his like, you know, Bill Murray face over on the right. But I'm staring at Gus's face as he's just like has a smirk and is like, whoa, boy, uh, how, I'm not I'm like, I'm not so into this. He's like, you know, there's a rule. He's got, you know, Bill Murray's like rattling off all the rules in life. You're not supposed to break. And he's like, you know, don't drive on the train tracks. He's like, he's like, that's what I agree with. Yeah, that's what I agree with. And They're so built- anyway, just a great guy. I, I, oh, I mean, I so good. an actor. I'm, so, well, that I'm was actually great. sad. That was a guy. sad, that was a yeah. sad roller coaster you took me on. I'm so sorry. Let's talk but, about Chris Elliott because we both do yeah. love him. And I am begging you that we do Shit's Creek because that's one of my I favorite know. shows of all time in the history of ever in the universe of all time. Yeah. I will tell you, I grew up watching Chris Elliott in so many things, and I love the fact that he does not care about just being the, like, the gum that the shoe steps on in almost everything he's in. He's the including best. Including Schitt's Creek. Yeah. Um, he was originally, uh, he, he was like a, a writer, uh, and he did a bunch of comedic sketches for Late Night with David Letterman when he was on NBC back in the 80s. The guy who lives under the bleachers, I think his title was, where he, like, was a character who just, like, lived under the audience bleachers and that was his character in the early 90s he had a show called get a life on that that opening scene you know like you have those moments where in your head it's like if you were to go back in time and you can think of like the moment of my childhood where i'm like yeah "Yeah, this is it the oh i don't know why but the theme song and him riding his bike and get a life and the opening credits i was like (laughs) it's it's burned in my brain you know what's funny is um not a lot of people know about that that show um, I, I wish that I wish more people did. It didn't last very long. I think it lasted, uh, two, like two seasons. or three years, right? It's yeah. Probably more well known for the fact that for the theme song, they used uh stand by REM. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Doyle Murray was also in that show. Really? By the way. Yeah. I'm learning so much on this episode. <laughs> but what I was going to mention is when I think about this show and it's going to be a real weird one, but do you remember the movie Freddie got fingered? The Tom Green movie. Yes, I do. Oh, poor Tom Green. Yeah. (laughs) Just that dynamic of like the son being a dummy and just like pissing off the father who's just like, get a job, get like, just grow up and stop being stupid. That was this entire show. Like that. It feels like that movie like ripped off. He was the paper boy in the show, wasn't he? I don't remember. Yeah. (laughs) He was. And then honestly, what's even funnier is my like most vivid recollection there's there's a random episode somewhere where he buys a submarine and he has to like put it in the bathtub and so he just like installed a submarine in the bathtub in his parents house and his parents and his dad's all pissed and i was like as a kid just being like oh that's so cool he's got like <laughs> it's a grown adult doing stupid kid things but that's what's hilarious about it to me and then yeah he's got a he's got a the only giant- literally the only episode that i recall other than the theme song he, doesn't he do like an episode where he takes uh, modeling classes? <laughs> and like, I don't know. I just remember watching the episode and be like, this show is the best. Yeah. 
I was also kind of a latchkey kid. Like my mom worked overnights as a nurse and she was an ambulance driver. And uh, my parents had just divorced and my sister had to go to a special school um, who was younger than me. So I was home a lot with a a very lovely woman named Carmen who would just like forever be downstairs chain smoking cigarettes and left me do whatever I wanted and watch whatever I wanted. So I watch a lot of adult television when I was way too young to be watching it. By the way, I just want to mention, I found the episode I was, I I recalled as a kid and it was, uh, it was called Neptune 2000. It was the 20th episode in the first season. And it was when Chris was 12, he got a job as a paper boy so he can buy a submarine from an ad in the back of a comic book. Chris and his father put it together. However, when they embark on the sub's main maiden voyage in Chris's bathtub, they become trapped. That was the that was the uh, point of the show. By the way, who I'm sold. Writers on the show included the people like Charlie Kaufman and Bob Odenkirk, oh. right? Like, yeah. So anyway, it's no just, wonder we liked it as such young ch- little yeah. chicken nuggets. <laughs> um, but he's th- very good in this, though. Don't you he, think his part is really very Chris Elliott like? He doesn't take Phil's crap. Keep in mind, like in the beginning of the movie, very beginning of the movie, he's the first person to like throw a jab at Phil where Phil just like lets him have it. He's like, I'm there's a network looking to, you know, hire me. And he's like, yeah, the home shopping network. Um, yeah. Just taking jabs at him from so, go. OK, not to, again, get very deep with this episode, but for me, it felt like Chris Elliott and Phil had like Chris Elliott's character, I should say, and Phil. Yeah. Um, they had like a very their relationship where again yeah. he could take shit from him yeah and he wasn't put out by it he was just like oh yeah he can say whatever he wants like they've worked together for a long time in my yeah. brain that's kind of how i interpreted it and then that scene where he drives yeah. the truck off the damn cliff he could yeah. not care less <laughs> so yeah. i don't know if that shows like what a dick bill mary's character was yeah. That he was just like, oh, yeah. He's like, oh, he was a really good guy. And I think it's more yeah. like he's kind of there. He teeters on creep in this movie, right? Like he's kind yeah. of a little bit creepy. He's just like excited to be, uh, you know, the solace for Andy McDowell then. And then yeah. the, I can't, I want to say Karen maybe was her name in the. Oh, when, yeah. Yeah. When he's like uh, trying to get her to do whatever he wants to do with her. And yeah. then he goes to the, to the boy auction and he yeah. only gets a quarter from the nice old two lady. Bits. <laughs> Which is, two pants. It's, it's also the look he gives where he like, like covers his eyes. <laughs> like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah, I, that's that, that thing's great. Um, but that's the thing too, is like Chris plays that part so well. And I got to give it to him. One of my favorite movies of all time, by the way, is, is, was supposed to be like his breakout movie. Snow Day. No, I'm just kidding. No, oh, <laughs> said oh, Snow Day. It's a really no. good one. Um, Cabin Boy, which. Okay. Yeah. Which is so great. And so like it's Chris Elliott and he's being silly and I love it so much. He's a really funny Wait, dude. Isn't, yeah. isn't uh, Brian Murray in that as well? If he is, it makes complete sense that these guys. Have I'm pretty sure he times. is. I could be. I know Andy Richter's in it. Yeah, Chris Brian Elliott is in it too. Yeah, he is. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, it's also That's it was awesome. also famous because it was like one of the only movies that had a cameo from um, David Letterman. Which, yeah. by the way, I, I'm reading this now again. More rabbit holes, but it was originally supposed to be directed by Tim Burton. Oh, oh my! It would have been a very different movie. But then Tim Burton got uh, was offered Ed Wood, so he took that one instead. So, mm, well, womp womp. Womp, it would have been womp. better if it was uh, Tim Burton directing it. Maybe, probably. Uh, I hope so. Um, um, back to our, our original, yeah, original podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
do what would you do if you had one day to live? I have that question at the top of my notes. I'm like, what? That is the question that Bill Murray asks in the movie. He's like, what would you do if you had one day to live? Right. Which isn't really that's a different question to me than what if you were living every day over and over again mm-hmm. and can do whatever you wanted. So what is your question? What would I do if it was the last day? Well, yeah, that's the question he poses. So I don't yeah. really like that one because it doesn't really match what the movie goes to. So what right. would you do if you were in? Let's let's scratch it. What yeah. would you do if you were in <laughs> Bill Murray's shoes? If I was if I was in Bill Murray's shoes, if I was yeah, in a time yeah, yeah. loop. And st- time and loop. I, I will say, I think the thing that, that sticks out to me about this movie, and I am answering the question, I promise. But I know the thing will. that sticks out to me about this movie is I am also, I'm not a cold weather person. I don't enjoy like the cold and we both live in the Northeast. So like we're, it's not like we're, we're alien to winters and, and snow and blizzards and things, but being stuck in a small town, because I think that's the key of it, right? Because you could say like, you know, what if I'm in New York city and it's my, and I'm in a time loop. That's a very different question than what if you're stuck in a small town in Northwest Pennsylvania and with no communication to the outside world beyond the town, (laughs) And are stuck in that loop forever. It's a very different scenario, which I feel like you have to put yourself in that box because I think that's what okay. makes obviously the the, the point. Okay. That's fair. Um, I feel like, and and this is rare because you everyone has opinions, but I'm like I don't think the arc of the movie is that far off. I think it starts with like, oh, I'm gonna do any kind of crazy crap I want to mm-hmm. do steal money, go buy things, you know, do, do not dirty. I'm not, I'm not going to seven deadly sin it. You're going to do the lust and the gluttony and the, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I think my laziness keeps me away from being too much of a creep because I'm like, I couldn't do the same day over and over again and get like one little extra tidbit and then go back the next day and then start all over from scratch. Like that's commitment and time. And I'm like, I'm too lazy for that. I would just be like, Oh, uh, you drink to world peace. Ah, I screwed this up. All right. Well, I'm done here. Like, I'm just going to go, I'll go back to my room for <laughs> seven days and uh, loop over and over again and just, you know, watch TV or whatever. Um, but yeah, cause I think you go through the same thing, right? It's like, I'm going to do whatever kind of sneaky, crappy stuff that you normally have consequences that you'll get caught with and then eventually dive into loneliness. Not, 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 I'm not saying I do this actively. Like this is my plan, Knowing myself, I feel like this is what it would end up in. But to start off like, yeah, I mean, when by the time you sort of accept, because it takes about two days for him to accept, oh, I'm in a time loop. I can do anything I want, which I was like, that was too quick. You don't know the rules. We were watching the rules. My son was like, oh, he's going to be six more weeks of winter. It's going to be like this for six weeks. So you don't know if you're going to wake up the next day and be out of your loop which mm-hmm. and you'd have those consequences. That's fair. That's completely fair. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'd give it a couple loops, like maybe a week before I start trying to rob banks. Um, Armored you know. trucks. Yeah. Um, although he's not doing it at gunpoint, he's just kind of, you know, taking advantage just of takes people the, looking the other way. Yeah. No one's going to notice. And it's also 1993 Northwest Pennsylvania, small town. They don't have cameras or anything. No one's going to even know that you're the guy who took it. Um, but it's it's a hard question to answer. But I'll, I will say, I think I'd go down the similar rabbit hole. But at the same time, too, like I don't know if I have the commitment to just be like, oh, well, I'm just going to learn the piano for the rest of my life because I'm living the same day over and over again. But I will say, I think the hardest part that I wouldn't be able to commit to is 
he still seemed to like get up, get dressed, go down and do the exact same, you know, oh, camera God. stand up every yeah. single day. I'm like, man, it's, uh, any, any days in this time loop you just sleep in or just, you know, also, I mean, I know this breaks some of the rules of the movie and stuff, but I'm like, what if he just left then and there? <laughs> like they, they hit the storm because they do the report and wait until after breakfast. What if he just gets up at six and just immediately darts out and heads to the city or try the other thing too. He can't reach any outside lines because the quote unquote, the long distance lines are down because of the storm. Well, what if he just wakes up at 6am and makes a phone call and try that anyway, I'm tearing apart the movie's logic. now. No, no, no. I, I, I thought the similar things was like, I would just get in the car and go, <laughs> but also I don't know. I, I feel like I'm too much of a bleeding heart. Sometimes I'd be like, no. Oh my God, I'd be able to do so much good for the world, but your good gets erased right in yeah. 24 hours. Right. So even if you are giving that adorable, sweet, perfect little homeless man yeah. his you know chunk of cash, yeah. uh, you know the following day he doesn't have it. He's dead. Right. He's gone. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I might. I mean, full disclosure, I would probably do a similar thing. Like let's do yeah. all the bad shit that you've always wanted to do. Yeah. First, yeah. and then I think I would go. I am a nerd, so I think I would go the reading books route. I think yeah. I would definitely do the piano thing. There's a lot of things that I, you know, my delicious ADHD brain is like, you, you I'm going to try this. And then I yeah. try it for 14 seconds and I'm like, eh, not for me. Yeah. Uh, so, so maybe I would stick some things out. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I feel like the movie does a really good job of maybe you wouldn't do the exact same thing. Right. Cause this is 1993, but yeah. I think I would really live on the high of being that person who does all the right things in one day because you've spent so much time learning what all the right things are. Like, we haven't even talked about this. What is his name that plays Fred, the groom? Oh, he's such yeah. a famous actor. Uh, Michael. Wait, like, really? The, the guy that plays Fred, the kid that yeah. gets married. He's That he's... is mm, something Shannon. Michael Shannon? What? Yeah, that's Michael Shannon. No, really? Yes. Fred. I did Groundhog not know that. That's, that's yeah, a, it's Michael Shannon. That's and I noticed it right fact. away. So like the way that Michael Shannon like thanks him and then he gets some tickets to WrestleMania. Like, yeah. I want to be that guy. My love language is like gifts of service and giving to people. So I want to be the guy that gives all the stuff. So I would think I would live on that high for a while, but like you said, it's so fucking lonely. So how long could you live on that? I mean, there's only so many times you can hook up with Nancy and then she forgets about you the next day and you have to start over from from scratch. Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. I love the scene where he buys the baby blue Mercedes after robbing the armor truck and dresses up like he's, She's the French maid. And she's like, I thought we were going to a costume party. Oh, yeah. Who is that woman? I mean, we don't know who she is, right? Because Nancy walks no, by. Yeah. Nancy walks by and is like, yeah. hey, Nancy. And she's like, yeah. I don't know you. Where did he meet that woman? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. So I don't know. Okay. So that's the question of the movie. And we both would probably end up being degenerates to start and have to work our <laughs> damn way out. We're both making out with Andy McDowell about a nice sculpture. <sighs> yeah. No, that's And that's, then you get that twinkling music. I would I wouldn't make it out of the time loop. Uh, Andy McDowell is too much work. I couldn't do that. And that was the thing too is like, I did have that thought also of like, you know, he he figures his way out in like I guess one one day to figure out how to hook up with Nancy. 
it takes him multiple attempts to try to hook up with Andy McDowell and he keeps failing. And I'm like, all right, dude, at some point you gotta, you gotta admit that like, she doesn't want this at all. So even you like doing all this, like trying to like line it up to make it work. Oh, uh, watching that now as an adult, I was like, what a fucking creep. Also like way, way to just paint a woman as like, just saying, I love you. He's known you for 12 hours. No woman would be like, Oh my God, you love me. And you've called me another woman's name three times and I'm still just going to have sex with you. And he's like, I want to marry you. And she's like, Oh my God, Phil, no, you're getting punched in the penis and I'm leaving your room and probably stealing something on the way out. Yeah. I know. That's right. It was the nineties. Yeah. Nineties. Yeah. I don't know. I don't don't know. I don't know what I would do. I I wish I had a better answer, but in, in all in all fairness, I'm just we like, just need to uh, drink that Punxsutawney Phil Groundhog Punch and live forever, I guess. Well, because I, I, you know, there's no judgment here, and and I and I wouldn't be afraid to mention it if I if I felt that way. But like, I'm not in the vein of like, oh yeah, cool. I just keep trying to hook up with Annie McDowell until she came, until she didn't know any better, and I tricked her into sleeping with me. Um, not my not my jam. Um, and then otherwise, I'm like, yeah, there's nothing else that I'm like, oh, I really want to do this or could accomplish that or have enough willpower to keep at it and trying to like learn how to do things. So. I'd read books and get real fat. Like, well, probably not because you That's don't I'm doing now. get any calories. I would just read books all fucking day. Yeah. I wish Harry Potter smut existed back then. I'd be so happy if I could just read that all day. Just lock yourself in your lock uh, bed and breakfast. Lock myself into that creepy ass bed and breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you know what, guys? This this episode is releasing on Groundhog Day, so. Yeah. Happy Groundhog. Happy Groundhog Day. Day. Yeah. Yeah. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.